0: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. It's almost that time. Time for you to kick back, relax, and binge on some unturn-offable TV. You can start streaming the world's best shows on binge. Like Bowlers, Entourage, Game of Thrones, Raised by Wolves, and loads more. Start streaming now with a 14-day free trial for new customers at binge.com.au. Binge. It's unturnoffable.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered Winter Series. I'm your co-host, Andrew Mensel. Joining me as ever is Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Great, man. it's Great to be here as always. Now, I'm very excited because we have joining us today one of my favourite cricketers, Um and Wes Agar doesn't know this, but I was waxing lyrical about him all summer. So we've got the Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year and the South Australian Player of the Year. Wes Agar. Wes, how are you? I'm very good, guys. Thanks for having me on today. I'm so glad you came on. I I, I loved watching you bowl last summer, uh, you know, bustling in with the pace and aggression um yeah just how you must have really enjoyed last summer you know succeeding in all three comps
1: yeah it was a really rewarding season for me i guess Um coming back to south australia from victoria where i didn't have as much success as i'd like to to come back into the red back setup and and to do what i do was so rewarding and um fulfilled me with confidence going into the next couple of years hopefully
3: yeah, it's such a journey you've had. I mean, I heard you on the radio say, you know, a couple of years ago you were washing dishes in Adelaide to pay your bills, and now, you know, you're the player of the summer. Have you had time to sort of soak it up?
1: Um, probably not as much time as I'd like to, to think about it, and I think the only time where I do reflect is, is in interviews like this. So um, I guess it has been a journey and one that you don't realise how far you've come until you look back upon it. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, it, it's been so rewarding. And I think looking back at times like that and doing it tough and, and training hard to get um, where you want to be and to achieve your goals really makes it um,
2: even more special. must have been an amazing um, debut in the Sheffield Shield. I was just looking back at the highlights of it uh, today. Uh, Underlights at the Gabba, Test Stars on Offer. You get thrown the ball. Queensland are doing pretty well. And you took three wickets almost instantly. Um, take us through how it all panned out.
1: Yeah, I guess um, previously playing state cricket, I'd played um, only white ball cricket. And I guess in white ball cricket, you sort of went, especially in power play, overs, is where, is where I started bowling. Um, you, the batsmen are probably looking to hit you to the boundary more often than not. Um, So I think I had to deal with a lot of pressure early in my career playing white ball cricket first. Um, And I was really looking forward to getting the chance to play shield cricket a lot because I knew that I'd be able to settle in on on a hard length without having that pressure of batsmen trying to hit me back over my head first ball. Um, So going into that game, I was really relaxed. And it was almost a surreal feeling of of no nerves, purely probably because of that um, sensation of I'm going to be able to settle in here. I'm going to be able to find my length and I'm going to get multiple opportunities to come back if I do not bowl great in my first spell. Um, And then to to have what happened happen, Um, it was an amazing experience and I think just kick-started that confidence to to sort of roll into the next couple of games.
2: It's a strange difference, I suppose, because I think spinners almost feel the other way, that they like it in the um, short form where batsmen have to go after them and they kind of therefore are more likely to get wickets. So yeah, it's interesting that you're excited to be able to get a lot of dot balls, um, which is unaccu- what you're unaccustomed to yeah. playing short form cricket.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe because I was young as well and just finding my feet. I, I wasn't an established player um, yet coming into last year and I'd-, I'd played games sort of in different patches and I'd never played consistently. And so when you-, when you are getting hit, you just are searching for that one breakout game to come along and and sort of cement your spot and, and go into the next game knowing that you've sort of got your spot cemented and you can just focus on playing. So I think that added the more pressure in that white ball form where you are getting hit first ball. So I think now I've had a few few games under my belt and I've done well going into next year. Um, that sort of won't be on my mind. I can focus more on my cricket now that I've had played a few more
3: games. Yeah, if you played a game and you you, know, you leaked a few runs in a white ball over, it's not the end of the world. You're confident enough to know you can come back.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what this year has done. It, it's allowed me to realise that I can do it at that level and I can perform at that level, whereas beforehand maybe if you do start getting hit around a bit and you might get one wicket or so, you start questioning that um, and I think that's where the confidence comes in from from the year that I just had.
3: Definitely. Now, we're asking all our guests in the winter series uh, what their favourite and least favourite cricketing moments are so far. So tell me, where's what's yours? Is it a playing memory? Is it watching something? What is it?
1: Um, I think it has to be, and it might sound a bit funny, obviously. Um, Everyone probably knows that. My brother Ash plays cricket as well. But I think playing against Ashton, um, both in T20 cricket and in one-day cricket so far, is probably my favourite memory um, so far in cricket. I think, as any cricketing child grows up wanting to play, obviously in the baggy green, but obviously playing professional cricket, and to be able to do that against him, just like we did in the backyard, um, is that is so special to me. And every time it happens, it's just a great feeling on the on the ground. I just don't want to laugh running into bowl when I'm running <laughs> in at him. Um, so that would probably be my favourite one, favourite memory so far, and uh, my least favourite. Um, Oh, there's a couple that haunt me. Um, probably my debut in 2020 cricket haunts me a bit. Um, Benny Hilfenhaus smacked me around in the last over to to give them a, um, a pretty convincing win over us uh, at the MCG. And I started my Big Bash career with three wides and it was probably not one of the greatest <laughs> times uh, in my cricketing career. So I think my debut, as special as it was to play at the MCG on debut, um, it got short-lived pretty quickly when I saw the ball going over my head and got a bit of a sore neck from watching it go over my head so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: rough. Uh, you, you quoted as saying, and this follows on from your favourite cricketing moment, so you quoted as saying, I'm not going to lie, it is a great feeling when you, you get your brother out. Um, and, and I, you know, I've got a brother so I can, I can empathise. But you, you and Ashton seem quite close. You, know, you seem like you have a really good relationship.
1: Yeah, we do. Um, We're we're very close. And I think having, I've got another brother, Will, in Melbourne and mum had three kids under three years old. So we're all very similar in age and grew up together playing backyard cricket and coming home and experiencing all the ups and downs of life together. And I think having that bond with your brothers is something really special. And I always refer to them not only as my brothers, but my best mates as well. Um, And I guess that's where that that rivalry on the cricket field comes from, not only being brothers, but best mates. And I guess when you go out to play against your best mates, all you want to do is get them out and then have a laugh and a beer about it after because you, you know that one day they'll get you back for it as well on the field. So um, we are very close. And I think that just becomes, that just um, comes from our family values and the way mum and dad brought us up, but also we're so close as mates as well. And that, that brings a of rivalry on the field.
3: Yeah, I asked Ash about facing you um, recently on a press conference and he he said he hates facing you in the middle. You're just too good. And I I reckon as well you must know all his weaknesses having bowled to him his whole life. So do you like bowling to him now are you thinking, okay, free wicket here?
1: Uh, I'm not thinking free wicket at all, but uh, I I do like bowling to him. Um, I guess we always talk to each other, usually when he comes to town or if I go into WA. We grab a dinner the night before the game anyway. So we're, we're discussing what we're probably going to do to each other then anyway. Or he's <laughs> trying to predict what I'm trying to bowl to him. But um, I guess it's just the challenge. I think every sportsman loves a challenge. And Ash knows I'm trying to get him out probably more than any other batsman out there. And he's probably not trying to get out to me more than any other bowler out there. So I think that challenge um, and that contest is what really drives me to bowl against him and makes me love it.
2: The Agar family probably get asked this a lot, but the Ashton's 98 on debut. I was actually at um, at the ground and got us a great experience uh, because the Poms have been giving it to us all day and suddenly um, that amazing partnership occurred. Were you watching it back in, on TV? How did you experience it? We were
1: at the ground as well, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, we were... Um,
2: <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't remember the side.
1: I think we were on the side where all the Aussie, Aussie fans were with Big Merv. Um, and I remember distinctly you'll remember too the night before it was eerily dark mm. and James Anderson was on an absolute heater and I think he got about three wickets and um, the crowd was just singing this song where they're going oh
2: Jimmy, oh Jimmy 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 yeah. Anderson
1: that one exactly and it was oh it was probably the most scary feeling and I was thinking if I was Ash right now I'd be so <laughs> scared in the, in the dressing rooms um, and, yeah, to see him come out and do what he did was was absolutely surreal. And I think I got pretty emotional watching it, um, especially each morning when they walk out to that song, Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, to to watch that and, and watch your brother realise a dream that you've had a kid as a kid and know that he's had as a kid um, was a really special moment for our family.
3: Yeah, I read that you sort of in that moment realised that actually – you know, playing for Australia is attainable. You know, it's you know it's a long journey and it's hard. But, you know, seeing your brother there gave you some belief that it's actually not out of reach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I loved footy as a kid. Um, I loved playing footy. And I think cricket was my second love to, to footy. I wasn't great at footy. I wasn't bad. But I just loved it a bit more than cricket. Um, But we all, I always saw people that played at the elite level as almost like superheroes. And I think that's what I might have said in that quote. Um, and then when you see someone that you've grown up with um, playing at that level, seeing them go through ups and downs throughout life, and then to see them actually succeed at that level makes you realise that it is attainable. And it's, it's not superheroes that only get there. It's people that work hard and, and really um, set their goals to achieve their dreams. And it made me realise that and made me realise that I can do it. And I think that's when I flicked the switch.
0: It's almost that time time for you to kick back relax and binge on some unturnoffable tv you can start streaming the world's best shows on binge like Ballers, entourage game of thrones raised by wolves and loads more start streaming now with a 14-day free trial for new customers at binge.com.au binge it's unturnoffable
2: With, uh, you mentioned football, Um, there's often a a battle, especially in the Aussie rule states where uh, fast bowlers could go towards cricket or they could go towards football. Um, What what was it that swung you eventually towards cricket rather than footy? Uh,
1: I think it was just, I knew I was better at cricket. (laughs) Um, I loved my footy, um, but also I just thought I had a better chance in cricket. Um, If I'm being realistic, I probably never had a chance at footy, but um, cricket was where I knew my fortunes lay and I knew that I wasn't the greatest um, academic student at school. So if I was going to give anything a chance to um, do well in it, it'd be in cricket. So I think that's what swayed me towards that.
3: Yeah, this is a common story we hear from fast bowlers, not good at school, (laughs) weren't sure what to do. (laughs) I don't
1: think I had a choice (laughs) of not sure what to do. I think I, I had the choice made for me. It was either cricket or nothing.
3: Yeah. Well, what, what's your what's your family support like? I saw your mum on the sidelines that first game where you and Ashton took each other on two years ago, and you know it was really beautiful scenes. Um, how is that now? I mean, you know, seeing you two run around must be really special for her and your dad.
1: Yeah, it's our family is really close. Um, we have been um, forever, and it's it's a really special bond that we all have with each other. Um, and I, I guess my parents get torn when we do play against each other because they don't know who to go for um, and they're not sure what to do and they don't want to see me get Ash out and they don't want to see Ash hit me around the park or vice versa. So I think they just, they're just really proud parents um, and they're really proud of what we're doing and, and what we've done to achieve that. I think we've both moved out of home and moved states um, to achieve our goals and, and we're doing that successfully and I think they're really proud of that. I think the funniest story to come out of it is my, my middle brother Will uh, didn't know who to go for, was a bit worried, didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so he thought, no, and went and bought a Sydney Thunder membership instead. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to Sydney Thunder now. So I think mean, he's on the Thunder Nation bandwagon.
3: <laughs> I think I think we need to give um Will Danny Wars phone number, who's the, the <laughs> cotton war brother and they can chat about being
0: oh, the least no. able
3: cricketer in their family. Although I might be wrong, maybe Will's gonna be really good. Um, so you talked about moving away from Victoria. Uh, you know, it seemed like something clicked in, in, yeah, you know, I know you moved twice, but you know, the second time you really sort of clicked into gear and I wanted to give it a go at South Australia, what sort of changed?
1: Um, I think obviously when I, when I was in South Australia last time, I was very young. Um, and I think moving that young as a youngster, you, you want to, and you really want to get out and explore the world. And you don't think of, oh, I was too young to do it. And I think that's what I realised a couple of years in. I I thought I was just a bit young and I needed to go home just to ground myself that little bit more and get that bit more life experience before I took on the world by myself. Um, And so I went back home after a couple of years and obviously had that time in Victoria. But having that time in Victoria made me experience a whole different culture, which was the Victorian cricket team. And the way they went about things, which was a lot tougher than what Australia, uh, South Australia was at that time. Um, and it made me experience different life lessons and different lessons in my cricket and how to go about my cricket a bit better. And so when I went back to South Australia, I think I could take uh, lessons that I've learned from two different states. And I think that helped me in good stead to then discover which ones worked for me best this year.
3: Yeah, In an article to Richard Earl, you know, you spoke about those tough times and and maybe one day you could use them to help younger players. Can you just expand on that a little?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just mental health is a massive thing for young men. I think at the moment, especially with this week being mental health week um, and I guess no guy ever really likes to admit that they they might have something going on or, they they don't really realise. And I I didn't really realise that I had something going on at the time either. And um, it it took me a while and took me time in South Australia to realise that I did have a bit of a problem. And that problem was a bit of OCD. And obsessive compulsive disorder can be something that um, can get thrown around a little bit just to be cleanliness and oh you have to have things in order. But um, it's so much more complex and it's so much more individualized to the person. And for me, that's what I suffered with. And it was starting to take over my life. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get into bed. I couldn't do normal daily things that um, everyone just takes for granted. So to go home and spend time with my family really helped me um, tackle those issues that I had and find strategies to deal with them. And obviously I still deal with them today, but I've got uh, things in place which allow me to um, live life as best as I can while dealing with those problems.
3: Thanks for sharing that. That's a um, very powerful message. Um,
1: yeah, I guess um, it's hard to share it. I've never really shared it before, but right now at time in my life uh, where I'm able to share it now, I haven't really been comfortable and this is actually the first time I've ever said it um, to any media outlet. But, um, yeah, and I guess hopefully one day if I'm successful I can be um, hopefully a role model to young kids or other men who are experiencing either mental health or obsessive compulsive disorder as well and and give them uh, confidence to speak out about it and get help and to realize that it, it's not a problem it's something that they can get better and something that they can manage
3: yeah and you see it really practically in cricket dressing rooms where you've got a teammate that's struggling but they're not you know, they don't feel confident enough or brave. You know, they they can't come and talk to one of their teammates. It's it's too hard. And I think slowly that's changing, fortunately.
1: Definitely changing. And I think that's the great thing with South Australia. It's it's I feel it's a real brotherhood within the players. Um, and we had a great start to last season where we, we had to speak about our timelines of our life in pre season and how we got to where we were and the challenges that we faced. And it really um let everyone put put their heart in their sleeve and and be vulnerable. And it allowed our relationships as players to grow with each other and build a stronger bond, which allowed us to open up if we needed to. And when I was first here and when I moved back, everyone um, was helpful. Everyone listened um, when I spoke to them and told them why I was moving home. And uh, when I came back this year, they took me in like a brother again with open arms. So I think that's a really special thing about the South Australian cricket team.
3: Definitely.
2: It seems remarkable how much, um, taking South Australia as an example there, and I, I sense it's across the entire uh, cricket Australia sort of nation that the sport has had a revolution in the last ten or twenty years. That those sorts of things would have seemed unheard of, that people would have had the the support to talk about them. Um, does it feel that way? That it is a really sort of um, I don't know, cutting edge environment where 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 it's the best of breed.
1: Yeah, I think it's just like the evolution of of society in general. I think we we've. Have come to be so much more open to all differences in the world especially in this time as well with everything that's going on at the moment I think everyone's so much more understanding of of different life circumstances and that everyone has their own story um and I think coming with that is is the players and the players coming through and um it's something that I think has grown in cricket clubs and now is accepted and um to be a good cricket side you have to be Good mates and have good bonds, and I think that is just one thing that builds those bonds and strengthens your relationship with your peers.
3: did you watch amazon 's the test and did you see some of the stuff Langer was doing
1: absolutely i I sat with my housemate, I think we sat in my room and watched it for two days straight, and we didn 't see sunlight for two days, so <laughs> we loved it. Um, it was so great and um, justin Langer 's great for that stuff I know. Um, from secondhand experience of what he had to do with Ash and um, how he went through different processes of, of managing his players and people managing. Um, he's a great leader and a great people person and someone that I think um, players would feel comfortable talking to.
3: Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us, Where's I hope that, um, you know, people listening can take something from it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really important message now, tell me about some of the messages you've been given from fast bowling coaches. Who were the, 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 the coaches that have really influenced you, your development?
1: Uh, I've had a few, actually. Um, when I first moved over to South Australia, I played for uh, – we have a, a system called Premier League at the start of the year in pre-season, and it's when um, all the grade clubs get split up into four sections, uh, north, south, east and west. And they picked the best players from those great clubs to play in a pre-season one-day competition. Um, and I had a coach of my team, which was called the Western Grid, um, called Mark Harrity, a uh, big left-arm um, ex-South Australian bowler. I think Ricky Ponting said he was one of the fastest bowlers he ever faced. Um, and
3: and awesome.
1: yeah, Mark um, was really good for me in that time. I think he took me under his wing a little bit, um, And helped me out and just just having general chats about cricket, about fast bowling, about where you want to go in life and where you want to go with your career. And he really um, was my first mentor in South Australia and my first mentor as a professional cricketer. Um, So he had a massive influence on me early in my my professional career. Obviously, my father and my dad, John, he um, was my earliest mentor growing up. Um, threw balls at me, helped me bowl fast, taught me all the things he knew. Um, and then just recently this year, my great coach, Sean Tate, um, was a mentor for me this year. And he just like, like, he's just like me, I feel, in the way we think about cricket, the way we go about it. We're pretty relaxed. We're pretty um, chilled out about how we go about things, how we prepare. And I think having someone that knew the way I went about things really helped me um, understand my game and how I went about my
3: cricket. Yeah, don't try and copy Sean Tate's action. I think you'll break it. <laughs> <off> <laughs> no, don't Has so. he told, taught you his in swinging Yorkie yet? I don't know if you've seen any footage, but it was deadly.
1: He hasn't. He hasn't yet. Oh, I wish I could learn that, but I think I'm about 20 k slower than him, so it wouldn't be as effective. I might get clipped off their heels for six, but um, <laughs> hopefully it. one day over a beer I can ask him about it.
2: What's the mindset? Because um, there, there was a few years there where the Australian team was – uh, Darren Lamb was saying if you didn't bowl 140 or above, then you're going to probably struggle uh, as, a, as an Australian fast bowler to make the side. Do you reckon that's changed at all? That they've started to value accuracy more, or is there? Can you sense a real sense of you need to get a sort of minimum threshold, otherwise you're not going to get considered for higher honours?
1: Um, I think there is a bit of a mixture of both. I think you do have to be at a decent pace, and I think that's a great X factor that teams can have. I think if a player, especially a young player, is coming into the system have raw pace, I think you can coach them to be more accurate and you can coach them to swing the ball or move the ball off the seam. But I think to coach people that to bowl 140 plus is something that you, you can't do. Yeah. I think people can gain four or five, like two or three Ks, but they can't have that raw pace that you're just born with. Um, so I think it's a bit of a mixture of both, though. You obviously have to hold that pace pace for long spells in test match cricket. Um, and you have to be accurate because if you let batters off, especially in test match cricket, you look at the patience of guys like um, oh, Kane Williamson and, and Pujara, who just are relentless waiting for that bad ball. You have to be more relentless than them. And it's a battle of who can do it for longer. Um, so if you can hold that pace, but then hold the accuracy for longer, I think it's a, it's a nice mixture of the both that you need to really be successful at the top level.
3: What about the queue of fast bowlers in Australia at the moment As someone that's, you know, on the list. Now, when you look at you, you look up and you see Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, Pattinson, you know, the sort of list goes on. Is that, is it discouraging in a way or or do you take something from it?
1: Uh, For me, I think I've had one good year. Um, So I, I don't see myself as a person on that list as such. I think, I look at those guys still and try to model my game accordingly, um, especially Josh Hazelwood. I've, I've tried to model myself on Josh Hazelwood throughout the years a lot. And I think um, I still look at him as a person that I'm learning off rather than as a person I'm competing with as such. Um, so I guess if I have a few more good years, then then I can start seeing myself as a person on that list. But I think it's something that I need to repeat for a few more years to then Look at those players as as peers, more so as um, role models.
3: I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's putting the the, the great players they put back to back seasons together. That you know, that, yeah. that's what you need to do.
1: Definitely, I think I think the greatest players in the world, even in any sport, you see basketball, you see football, you see anything that the great players do it time and time again, um, and they have a real simplicity and, and solidarity to their game. And I think that's something that I'm developing now and hopefully can, can put into action this season and have a good season again and then back it up next year, the year after, sorry.
3: Now, Paul, have you got any questions before we jump into our final segment for Wes?
2: No, let's go. Straight okay. into it. All
3: right. So, so, Wes, in this final segment of the Winter Series today, you, you're the god of the cricket laws. So you can make a ruling on these things. Um, so just a quick answer is fine. Um, so as every, um, person who loves cricket, they'd love to be able to make the rules up. So uh first one, would you go for four day tests?
1: Oh, no, I would keep it at five days. Um, I agree. just because A is a spectator. love watching it. And, uh, B, I know as a fast bowler, you might get down to the fourth day, especially in steel Cricket, and you need two more wickets to win and time runs out. So I wouldn't mind that extra day to get those extra couple of
3: wickets. Good answer.
2: How about, um, how do you feel about the proposal that's been floated and so far unsuccessfully to increase the number of international players available in the Big Bash? Uh, Definitely. I'd love
1: to see Indian players in our Big Bash League. I think they're they're super talented. They're... um, born entertainers and um, I remember I saw Cricket Australia or Seven Cricket post something on Instagram of a few of the Indian players in Big Bash kits after it was proposed and I remember sending it to Jake Weatherall going imagine opening the batting with Rohit Sharma and he said <laughs> be incredible as well so I think having those players would be incredible not only for spectators to
2: see but also for the players to learn off. And do you think that players in general if, if they did increase it from say two to three or even four that could start from overseas in the Big Bash that might mean some local players miss out? How how, how would you feel about that? Um, I think
1: there's a bit of a mix. I think there's still a contracted list of players um, that are on the list that not necessarily play. Um, And I think those players can benefit a lot from international players who have had a lot of experience on the field. So um, I don't mind it. And I know that um, as a youngster who's come through and sort of been bled in through the system, that your time does come if you're patient and you work hard enough.
3: Right. What about the amount of games in the Big Bash? Are you in favour of the full home and away 14-game season?
1: Yeah. I am a fan of the season that that just went past. It, it was um, really good. I think maybe they they did really well um, changing that finals format from the season previous. Um, and I think it kept fans interested just long enough Um so I think it was it was pretty spot on last year.
2: LBW law, would you support my change, which is if it's hitting the stumps, it's out. Forget where it pitches, forget the impact, just um, give it out if it's hitting the stumps.
1: <laughs> absolutely. As a fast bowler,
2: there's a lot of times
1: where, where the ball's pitching just outside leg or something like that. So absolutely, being a bowler, you want to get wickets any way you can. So I'd definitely change that law. <laughs> I thought you
2: might say that.
3: Uh, the other thing, the next question is that we've seen the, the concussion substitutes. We're now seeing COVID substitutes. You know, if a fast bowler goes down in the first morning of a first-class game, would you like to see them be able to be replaced?
1: Uh, I think it's a really tricky one. And I, and I, I know it might be a bit technical um, just because of the the way the testing works at the moment and how long it takes to get back. If a player goes down the first morning, you won't get the text back to test back to the next day. And by then, probably the innings is over. So I think if they find a faster way of detecting what it is and if it is COVID or not, then yes. But if this testing stays the way it is and it's 24 hours, then I think um, probably not. You're probably better off just sucking it up and having to tough it out with a couple of with a while short.
3: What about if a fast pulls a hammy first, first session? you think it's unfair that you can't replace them?
1: Uh, it's difficult. I think that's difficult. I think if I was on the team, I'd 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 want to replace a player, especially because we want we want an even playing field. Um, but I think I, if I was on the opposing team, I'd sit there and say, well, I think that's preparation, and I think that's just the way the game happens. You don't see it in footy. A player pull a string, and and they bring another player out of the stands. You know, so I think. Um, injuries are just something that are freak accidents and something that happen and I think every game is going to have different things that put play, uh, teams in more of an advantage than an, uh, the other so probably not
2: What do you think of the uh, Sheffield Shield bonus points? My view is that no player in the Shield has ever given them any thought at all and that therefore they might as well get rid of them. Is it something that you guys regularly talk about during the breaks?
1: Uh, not regularly. I think it's more the captain talks about it and the batters talk a lot about it because it, you got to bat the 100 overs um, okay. as such. So I think it's more something that the batters like to tick off and, and a little bit of a KPI um, for the batsman to get to um, and the batting team as an in innings to get to. But me with my cricket, like I said, I wasn't the great, greatest academic. So <laughs> I, I try to not understand those technicals. It's already complicated enough as it is.
3: I still don't understand the bonus points. All right, last one, Wes. You've been so good with your time. So far, who's the best batter you've ever bowled to?
1: Oh, that is a hard one, actually. Best batter I've ever bowled to. I don't want to get it wrong. That's my problem. Um, (laughs) uh,
3: Say Callum Ferguson, your captain. Travis Head.
1: There's been some great ones. Um, The only one, the one that springs to mind the most, uh, the two at the moment, there's some really good... Um, current batters at the moment, like obviously Manus um, has had a great season and he's coming up to South Australia and I found him really difficult um, to bowl to at the Gabba. Um, he just, if he if he played a miss, he'd get nowhere near it. And um, if he weren't beating his outside edge, he's hit in the middle of the bat. and It just right. didn't seem like we were going to get him out at the time. So I found him very difficult to bowl to and um, I think also bowling to Usman Khawaja as well um, was quite challenging, but also... Someone who I held in really high respect and someone who I really uh, enjoyed the challenge of bowling to. So I'd say those
3: two players. Yeah, great players. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on um, and uh, best of luck getting ready for next summer.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciated talking to you. Thanks, Thanks Wes. Wes great.
3: That was Wes Agar, and you've been listening to the first episode of the Winter Series. Paul and I and Jaleesa hopefully will be back with these feature interviews every week uh, at the moment so we hope you enjoyed that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Oz Cricket Pod AUS Cricket Pod and head to our YouTube page Cricket Unfiltered we're doing a weekly show every Thursday at 5.30pm live and you can also watch it there at any time during the week the show it's there all week if you miss it and plus we're putting up highlights of the podcast well thanks for listening and back soon
0: It's almost that time. Time for you to kick back, relax, and binge on some unturn offable TV. You can start streaming the world's best shows on binge. Like Ballers, Entourage, Game of Thrones, Raised by Wolves, and loads more. Start streaming now with a 14 day free trial for new customers at binge.com.au Binge. It's unturnoffable. Sports Social Podcast Network
2: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com
3: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
3: Oh baby Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa take it easy Judy <laughs>